Retro Rebel Gamecast is brought to you by TempleofGeek.com, your one-stop shop for all things geek. You can find all of our episodes and fulfill your sci-fi, fantasy, and geek culture-related needs at TempleofGeek.com. Welcome to the Retro Rebel Gamecast, where we discuss gaming and related topics. Retro Rebels release Fridays, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to TempleofGeek.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. You can even find us on Facebook and Instagram at Retro Rebel Podcast for exclusive content and to see what else we're up to. My name is Stacy, and with me, as always, is my fellow Rebel co-host, Amanda. Hello. Hello. That was a mouthful. I did it. I nailed it. You nailed, nailed the landing. it. Nailed it. Uh, it was almost as if I had that memorized. So, what's been going on? Well, we're in lockdown again. Y'all are in lockdown again. And I had COVID. I had the COVID, and you're in lockdown. Yeah. I mean, we both had the COVID now, so plus one to natural immunity. (laughs) (laughs) Plus one. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, we both had it now, so presumably that would aid in making us immune, although I know it's not 100% foolproof, but it's pretty good. Um, So what have I been doing? Well, we can't do anything else except uh, go outside for essentials like uh, grocery shopping and uh, taking a daily walk. So I've gone back to Pokemon Go, and I don't really know why. There was an advert on Facebook, and it was like, oh, download Pokemon Go, and I was like, oh, why not? Nice. You know, I'm not getting any exercise. It can't hurt, you know, so... Uh, that's why I've been playing. I've been playing a lot of it. I'm level 23 or 24 now. Although, don't be too excited. I think when I logged back in, I was already level 20. So, you know, we haven't made no. that much progress. <laughs> but because they've released tons of new Pokemon since I last played in 2016. Oh, wow. You know, I catch a new Pokemon several times a day, which is amusing. And the new raid battles are amusing. And... You know, is it the best game that's ever existed? No. Is it uh, amusing <laughs> for when you're casually watching television or just generally taking a walk anyway? Yeah. So why not? Right. You know, if you're bored and you need more motivation to go outside, maybe download Pokemon Go. I don't know. It's working for me. Right. I like Pokemon Go for whatever it's worth. Now, I agree with you 100%. It's not a game. It's not the be-all, end-all video game. But it is entertaining especially if you're like walking from a to b and you want to catch some augmented reality pokemon it's fun i like it it's fun it's still i i have some buddies that still get they give me a bit of grief for playing pokemon go but i'm like dude you haven't tried it man it costs you nothing it literally costs you nothing so it's funny on our instagram recently we had a very popular post just reminding people that it doesn't matter what game you're playing, you're still a gamer, and there's no such thing as a lame game. If you like it, That's a fact. it is fine. Do right. you know? I really feel like people get as snobby about games as people do about wine. If you like it, right. it's fine. Yes, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. My tastes in gaming have changed over the years. You know, hardcore gaming maybe when I was younger, and then now, you know, I. I I get in where I can. I, I find games that I really enjoy, and it's definitely kind of not where I would have seen myself playing. But gaming opened the doors to a lot of other genres of gaming. And, and so, yeah, absolutely. In fact, that's one of the games that I want to talk about today when I, 
we talk about what we're playing. I'm almost finished with Jedi Fallen Order. I officially, officially uh, canceled my subscription to, or my, yeah, my, my prescription for uh, World of Warcraft. <laughs> and one of the interesting things, and I think this is very helpful, but I know it's, it's nefarious. I, I just, I believe it in my heart. It's truly nefarious is that when you, if you have the Blizzard downloader and you cancel your subscription, it counts down how much time you have left and it's open on the display. So when you pull up the Blizzard downloader down on the bottom, it has like five months left or so many days left of your paid playtime. So it's, it keeps a, it gives, it's a constant reminder of how much time I've left, which is great if it just were to be that. And I could just look at it as, Oh, I've got five months left. I better, you know, I either better get in there and play or, Oh, I've got plenty of time. To, to say goodbye to this game that's been a part of my life for six, you know, 16 years. But what I think it is really is this fear of missing out. It's going to get closer to, to zero and I'm going to panic and it's somehow going to remind me that I need to buy it. Even though that's, it's still up to me. I know enough now, read enough to, about some of these business practices and, and how a lot of marketing works. <laughs> and you guys are tricksy. Tricksy little hobbits is. Yes, they are. So anyway, uh, I've been playing Jedi Fallen Order. Ooh. And I... <laughs> Sorry. It's a, it's an excellent game, much to... It is not. Much... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. In a game you like is fine. I just like that one. No, it's okay if it sucks, <laughs> uh, in your opinion. That's fine. But the other game that I've, I haven't gotten to play yet because it was downloading, but uh, I, I bought it for four bucks. Uh, it was on sale on the Nintendo uh, Switch. It's a game called uh, Gris, I believe. Or maybe Grease. G-R-I-S is how it's pronounced. It's, it, is, uh, it is made by a Spanish indie developer, uh, Nomada Studio. Right. And uh, anyway, so the, the premise of the game is you are uh, a young girl who's kind of lost in her own world. It's very, very cel-shaded, artistic, uh, artsy... Uh, kind of like in the vein of Journey and, and, and Abzu, which is the underwater one. I don't know if you've seen that one. Anyway. I, I've lost control of this conversation, and I don't know what <laughs> words you're saying anymore. <laughs> None of that was English. What are you talking about? These are games. These are, these are all uh, games. Not games I've played. This is... This is a fact, but from what I get, from what I gathered from the, it's, it's a little bit of a platformer. It's very atmospheric. And I think what appealed to me most was really, it's about, there's a, there's a deeper emotional meaning. It's, it's very figurative. So like whatever this, this main game character is going through, it is figurative to whatever their emotional journey. Is. So this person is emotionally distraught or, or hurt. And, and so it's going to be, it's going to manifest in whatever's happening on the screen in the game. So it's it's a it's a very short game, uh, you know. We'll see if it was worth the four bucks, but those types of games appeal to me. So it's one of the reasons why I really want to try. I believe it's is it uh, Hellblade, the one that's you know about depression. Uh, anyone that's ever you know battled depression at any point, I mean, I I know that sometimes that that game is had to, was hard for people who battled depression based on some of the themes within the game, and so. Not necessarily that I, I want to experience that for myself, but it is something that I had battled at one point, and so I relate to games like that. So drawn a little bit to those games. So I want to try it. I want to see what it's like. And it's not a long game. It says it's about three hours uh, in gameplay, uh, which to me means absolutely nothing. It could take me a hundred hours, you know, 
<laughs> Three hours of gameplay time could take you a week. <laughs> it could take me a week for sure. You know, there's no telling. I could turn it on and then immediately have to go do something else and leave it on. So anyway, it's on the Switch. I'm going to try it out. I will report back next episode as to uh, what I thought. So that brings us to the news. And there's there was some some big some some big news. Big some whoppers. Well. Why don't I start with mine, because mine aren't related to our main topic, so get those out of the way. So the first bit of news I thought was interesting is that Valve has formed a partnership with a brain-computer interface company, which is a mouthful to say. Yes, it is. (laughs) And um, they are very interested in the ability to read emotional states while gaming. And so they formed this partnership to investigate, create, and of course then sell immersive emotional gaming peripherals. Okay. And I think it sounds very cool. So basically you would have this like head strap that you put around your noggin and it would identify if you're scared, anxious, excited, happy, whatever emotions that you're feeling. It can read movements, it's got an accelerometer, it can tell when you're leaning forward, leaning back, if a jump scare worked, you know, like you can kind of think of the implications for this because if you're doing a procedurally generated game, if whatever you threw at them did not scare them, you can try different tactics, you know. Right. You only know that if you can read their biomechanics. So Valve is obviously quite interested in this. You know, they they brought us the Steam platform. They're really immersed in finding ways for people to play more games and enjoy them better. So it's very interesting. I've linked to the article in the description. You can read more about it from, you know, Valve's big head honchos themselves and you know see see what you think about the technology if it's something that you would you know that we talked about this on the show already we did we did about a year ago i think yeah you're welcome pal um <laughs> yeah thanks for stealing our idea rude that's right rude <laughs> no i think that's i think there's something that i think that's interesting i don't know practical it is but i think it's interesting so. it's it's not a huge device it's pretty small so right, right. Well, I mean, and, and I mean, the technology is is getting smaller and smaller. I mean, I, I have I have friends and colleagues that work in with professional sports teams, and they have they have devices that they can put on the athletes that will monitor core temperature and heart rate and GPS. You know, so their global position as they run, so they can determine how fast they're moving, how far they've moved during that day, and, and put it all together in this, you know, in, in, into kind of a soup and. and come out with something that that some data that means something you know that they can use and and apply to training apply to to programming and stuff and i think that's all all that stuff is fascinating Uh, i just wonder what they'll find and how they'll be able to use it for gaming the next one that i've got is probably a no-brainer but i thought it was quite amusing so xbox series x ps5 still having stock issues nobody can get their hands on it i've had stock informer running on my computer for what two months now right (laughs) And uh, I've gotten notifications twice, and both times it was already sold out by the time I got to the page. Neither company, to be fair to PS5, although this article is about PlayStation, to be fair to Sony, neither company is doing a whole lot to address these stock issues or the scalpers, robotic purchasers who are going in and buying 
many, many different consoles very rapidly and then reselling them on. Nobody's doing anything about that, um, which is frustrating. Right. I'm pretty sure that they could go to some of these big sites like eBay, yada, yada, and ask them to remove any listings for these products for certain amounts of time in order to discourage right. people from selling them. But now the latest news is that the PlayStation 5 apparently has much worse stock issues than the Series X, although they both have problems. Um, and reviewers have now started review bombing their Trustpilot score, um, mostly for poor planning um, and poor communication of when and how much the consoles, when they're going to be back in stock and how many consoles are going to be back in stock. Um, and their score is now a 1.7. <laughs> So it's pretty low. And is it effective? We've talked about it before. I think the company takes notice, but I don't think that it'll really prevent people from purchasing a PlayStation. You know, they're so established that you could say that their score is zero and people would know that isn't accurate. You know, people are well aware of Sony and the product. It's going to take them a long time to get to make money on this. though. Well, I say that. They're selling out, so it's not like uh, you know they're having trouble selling them. They're having trouble keeping them in stock. Somebody's buying them and then making money hand over fist on top of that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to hurt them, but I can tell you that I have absolutely no desire to buy one right now, anytime soon. I don't, I don't care. It's, it's so frustrating, and it's frustrating that there's nothing that can really be done to the scalpers, uh, and and as they flaunt it on Twitter. That they, you know, they just purchased two thousand, or were able to put in uh, pre-orders for two thousand. I, I can't remember which one, but that was the most recent one that I saw. Uh, two thousand consoles pre-ordered, you know. And See, I think they should restrict it by payment card. So, you know, because how many people have twenty bank accounts? Not many, you know. Right, right. So if you can only buy two consoles per payment card, you know. Right. Which is what they do. It's what they did for toilet paper. So <laughs> during the pandemic, you know, so if they can do it for toilet paper, maybe they can do it for PlayStation. I just wonder if they if they care that much to do it. Mm. I mean, they're making money one way or another. Exactly. But I do think like it's really going to damage consumers' confidence. Like, do you really think people are going to get that excited about a launch the next time when they know for a fact that they're not going to be able to get their hands on it? You know. They're just gonna be like, oh, well, we'll wait, and maybe in a year we'll get it. Right. You know, like I feel like the majority of people who are like, oh, if I can get one, I might buy one. Right. So, um, yeah. So I've got a couple pieces of news that'll kind of lead us into our main topic. First one is that Blizzard closes the doors to the studio that that was uh, responsible for, and I say that it almost sounds nefarious. Again. Uh, Responsible for uh, Warcraft 3, uh, Warforged, and anyone who, who knows that, that game uh, or is familiar with gaming and following will know that that was the game that Blizzard truly dropped the ball on. So they dropped the ball on that. And it almost seemed, I mean, they, they lied about everything. They lied about the way it was supposed to look. They lied about the user interface. They made it now to where they retroactively control everything that you create. So, so from a creative standpoint, everything that made Warcraft 3 the game that it was and the game that people loved was taken and everything that was put back in are all the things that we hate about AAA publishing, you know. So it's microtransactions. Now it's uh, all of the maps, the creative part that uh, I think uh, a lot of the, the fans of the series use to kind of express their, their creativity and express themselves and their fandom. Every map you make now is owned automatically by 
Blizzard, Battle.net, and and uh, the whole the, the way that you guys could play each other uh, was was revised. And none of the, these things are positive. Like nothing was positive about all this. So uh, it, it's just uh, unfortunate the way that that worked. But uh, bottom line is, is they closed their doors. It seems that Activision has a much bigger foothold, really, in what Blizzard does now and and i think that that kind of unfortunately is uh, the direction a lot of these big companies are going cd project red all of them they're the bigger they get the bigger they the more that they kind of streamline themselves as one of these other AAA publishers uh they do this they just they all have they exhibit the exact same behavior they lose sight of what it was that made them the beloved publisher from the beginning you know bethesda cd project red Blizzard, all of them, literally all of them have done it, and they get so big, and then, then they lose sight of what it was that made them who they were. And which, which segues to the the next piece of news: Bethesda is making an Indiana Jones game, which initially sounded great. I loved all the point and click adventure uh, Indiana Jones games, but uh, they've already got it worked into where there are microtransactions in the game, and and it's just it's just gross. It's gross how many of these games have other means to make more money on top. Uh, of of what they're already making, and, and uh, do you know it's, if it's going to be full priced RRP? I would I would imagine it's going to be full. Yeah, I imagine it is. Uh, but it, but I don't think they know enough about it yet, other than that they already know that they're going to put them in. So wow, well that's the thing you should start out with first, I'm sure. Yes, we we've got a concept for a game, and we'll definitely have microtransactions. Now let's make the game. <laughs> so uh, and then my last bit of news, which is. To me, is uh, bittersweet is that Konami is closing its doors. Oh wow! Yeah, so this is relatively big news. Konami closing their doors. The, uh, the publisher behind everything from Contra, the Konami Code, to uh, Castlevania, to Silent Hill. They're closing their doors. I guess the Plinko machines just weren't enough <laughs> to make it to keep the doors open. Hit the lever. <laughs> exactly. So well, it remains to be seen what all their what's going to happen to all their properties. I know that there, there have been rumors for years that some spiritual successor to Silent Hill is going to come out, but uh, I guess that remains to be seen. But lots of really great IPs that Konami has uh, that they haven't really done anything with for a while. I don't know what the thought process was behind all of that. Obviously, they had a plan, and it wasn't to make games. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, that is uh, that. Is, those are my bits of news that kind of segue us to our the big news, the big news and the, the main topic news. today, the proverbial fish in the barrel. So Microsoft made an oopsie, I believe. Would you say this is a, this was a mistake? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it was yeah. a mistake. However, I think it's going to be the first of many. They did it on purpose. Let's just be clear on. They just wanted to see if they could get away with it. That's absolutely right. So, so Microsoft announces just out of the blue and for no no reason, no no rational explanation to this. I could, I couldn't find any justification. No, there is they, none. <laughs> they just doubled the price of Xbox Gold without any warning, without like a build up. There was no. It was just unceremoniously announced. Xbox Live Gold was going to 120 bucks, which is crazy. Which is crazy and unnecessary, especially because Game Pass is only 10.99. Right. You right, know, right. <laughs> and you get more stuff and free games and gold included. Like, what? What were they thinking? What I, What I read was that they were trying to funnel people to the Game Pass. 
and away from just the Xbox Live Gold to make the money, I guess, on the Game Pass. Why don't they just cancel uh, Xbox Live Gold and be like, okay, Game Pass or nothing, you know? It's a good question. I don't know. I don't know what their thought process was because they haven't really told us. But what they did do is after being berated on every social media platform known to man, Microsoft <laughs> walks this back. Uh, they walk it back that they don't, they aren't going to. And, and that they're sorry, although I'm not sure what they're sorry. They're sorry they got caught. They're sorry we sorry. noticed. <laughs> they're sorry we noticed that, uh, and, and they're sorry that we noticed and that we didn't like. It's kind of like, I don't know what to what degree it, it would be gaslighting, but it's definitely, uh, I'm sorry you feel that way. A hundred percent, yeah. Sorry you feel that way. Sorry you got butthurt about it. <laughs> That's right, uh, which is like not an apology. <laughs> yeah. So you're not. You're not. Are you sorry? Is it? Was it my fault? And let's just uh, talk about a 100% price increase. Just generally being terrible business practice for any right. product or service. That's way more than the market can handle. I can't think of anything that's doubled in price that people don't get up in arms about. Right. If the Big Mac was suddenly twice as expensive, you're telling me people wouldn't lose their minds. However, if it became 10% more expensive, I don't think many people would notice. No. And I, so I, I, I'm 100% baffled. I don't understand where it came from. In fact, I thought I had read it wrong when I first read it. And I said, it, I said, is this, am I reading this correctly? Did it just go to 120 and it, and for no particular reason? just went to 120. They're not adding any features. They're not making it any better necessarily. They're just going to make more money. Yeah, that's, that's all they wanted. They wanted more money. Well, we're all fish in a barrel in quarantine where video games are one of the few things that we can do. Right. I think that's the take home is do we have an explicit warning on our show? No. Nah, <laughs> uh, F that. F them for that. That's that's bullshit. Yeah. It's, it's super frustrating because like you said, as as fish in a barrel, there isn't. We don't really have a choice. We're kind of captive. We don't have a choice. Since the beginning of this pandemic, I had to change my internet so that my family would have enough bandwidth so that we could all be streaming. Everybody could be do, they could be doing their classes at home. I can be uh, doing what I need to do for work at home, and uh, it's not sufficient. It, that this the best that I can possibly buy where I live is not good enough to stream the gaming service PlayStation Now. From PlayStation, you know, I'm not even able to do that. And so they would double the price of something that isn't even sufficient as as kind of like a it's not even accepted that this is the norm for everybody across the nation. So but they're going to treat it as if it is and they're going to charge you as if it just it's it's gross. I go back to my argument about and I know that this is topic adjacent. It, it just I think it galvanizes my opinion about the digital property and it's all well and good right now that, that you get to play what you want to because you've downloaded it. But they've made it to where a lot of these games are broken unless you have some sort of internet connection. You can't play it unless you do. And it's going to get to the point where that is, that's going to be so much the case that you don't own, you don't own any, you won't, you won't own anything and you won't own any of these games. You won't be able to play them offline. So you've paid for this experience that you're really just renting. It's a lease to lose. It's not even a lease to buy. It's a lease with a timer on. And, you know, I had the recent experience with Google of trying to get my music off of Google Play. Because Google Music or Google Play Music has went away. So anybody that's got that service, it's gone. However, if you did not download in like a giant file all of whatever you have on, on your Google Drive, if you didn't download that, which had your music as well, 
but you you couldn't you couldn't differentiate which of those files was your music without going through it and so i had to download everything if i didn't do that though i wouldn't be able to play my music offline now everything in google play is youtube music wow <laughs> i can i can only play it when i've got cell phone connection and or if i want to play like the music video it's like everything is attached to it or I can now I can upload the but I paid for those songs. That's the difference. I paid for each one of those songs individually. Yeah. Had I not downloaded them, I would have lost every single one of them. Had I not gone in there and actively downloaded it off the internet, like I had to go to my computer. I couldn't do it from my phone. I had to do it from the computer. Wow. So anyway, that's it's just it, it's tied together because all of these are all of these topics. These are all digital property topics. Yeah. Well, I think beyond digital property, I think there's more to it than that. You know. The RRP of games has just been set at $70 for a AAA. Right, right. We had no control over that. In fact, right, right. lots of gamers didn't even complain about that. They were like, oh, okay, yeah, treat us bad. It's fine. Do you know? Right. And we know for a fact that while, yes, games do cost more money to make, they also have microtransactions. Do you know? Like, so I don't want to hear that you need an extra $10 up front. You know, that's a bit ridiculous. Right. Um, so right. that's not an online service. Whether you buy a physical disc or digital product, you can't do anything about the RRP. So we're all fish in a barrel there. Subscription services like your music one, right. Um, right. the Xbox one, the PlayStation one, Netflix, all the others, you know, we have no control over the price of right. that. And with the gaming subscriptions, unlike Netflix and some of the other ones, you can't even share it. <laughs> so it's not like you could find a way to reduce the cost if you had to. It's either you pay them what they ask you for or you don't get anything. Simple as that. Right. And I think once everybody moves over to the subscription model, they could definitely change the price of it whenever they feel like it, just like they can the cost of full That's right. game disc. Digital only delivery, not only could they change the price of it, they could also remove the game at any time just like you almost had your songs removed. There'd be right. nothing to stop them because I'm sure it's in the EULA that none of us <laughs> read. <laughs> um, microtransactions, we don't get a choice about how much those cost and there is no standard economy. Have you noticed that microtransactions across any sort of game that has them very incredibly wildly at what the initial price point is for some games in order to get a, a little bit of something from the microtransaction store it's like 199 and then other ones it's 4.99 7.99 you know the, like we have no control of where even the entry level of that is no no there's no rhyme or reason as to what costs what you know and what about what about um deluxe addictions where if you don't buy a hundred dollar right. version of the game, you just never get this character or can't do that mission ever. Right. You can't even buy it later. You know, Mass Effect did this a long time ago. I think it was Mass Effect, Mass Effect Two, I believe. You had the 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 girl who was like a thief and she could turn invisible. So she's one of my favorite characters. The bounty hunter guy that you could get, and I think you had this girl who who was a thief, and and they wove those into the story. To me, it felt like those were warranted because they were so much, they were so much after the fact, so long after the fact of the game being released, that I warrant it warranted it to me purchasing that downloadable content because that's what it was at the time. It was DLC, so DLC and uh, these microtransaction. There was a difference. You could differentiate between the two. Now you can't tell the difference. Now these things are built into the game from the beginning, 
and you're just asked to buy these things extra, whether it be in a ultra special edition or whether it be, you know, the ultra ultra special edition, which is $10 more for material that's already in the game. Like it's already, the code is in there. You just can't unlock it without, you know, without this code. So I, I don't, you know, I, other than, other than complaining and, and bringing it to people's attention, because honestly, it, it, we wouldn't stand for this in any other area. Like you wouldn't, right? I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't stand for uh, that in any other medium, in any other area. If it were any other type of entertainment, whether it be movies or books, you got to pay extra for this chapter of the book, <laughs> you know? Could you imagine? Could you imagine uh, you get halfway through the no. book and they're like, well, we're going to end it on a cliffhanger unless you pay us like five more bucks. Right, right. And, and like, excuse me? <laughs> uh, and there, to some extent, they probably, that's probably done to a certain extent with some of these young adult books where they're written to be trilogies and they purposefully stretch it out over two. That could be a part of it, but I don't think that's nearly as nefarious because that story is, you know, is, is self-contained to some degree. It's not like you're having to pay piecemeal to get chapters or to get the ending of the book necessarily. So, so going back to the, the actual topic and, and looking at what Phil Spencer said, I want to pull up his article. He's been Such there a, a sweet time, man, man, Phil Spencer. He's got good jobs. He has, he has. Trying to rip people off. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He apologizes. So he has apologized for this uh, this situation, as they call it. And I just I love how they how these bigwigs will call these like situation as if it's too much to call it what it is, or like it happened to them instead of them doing it. <laughs> right. Apologies for all the angst and emotion this caused today for our customers. As always, we appreciate the feedback. This is a good learning opportunity for us, and we will learn from it. This is. Quote from Phil Spencer on Twitter. Well, I mean, let's just talk about how you, it doesn't take a genius to know that if you double the price of something, especially in a global pandemic, especially when people have lost their jobs, especially when gaming is one of the few things people can do, that they're not going to like it. No, they're not. Did, did someone need to right. tell them that? <laughs> well, and, and what I'm gathering now, I'm looking at this again, updated as of 122. So this, so as of this recording, that would have been four days ago. If you are an Xbox Live Gold member already, you stay at your current price for renewal. And then it explains the prices for what currently it is, which to me means that this is going up. It's just not going to go up for people who already have it. Which, I mean, once again, I just reiterate that that is unnecessary. Xbox Live Gold has no additional features or benefits. The Xbox Ultimate Game Pass is in many ways a much, much, much better service for nearly the same amount of money. And they provided almost no warning. And certainly there should be some sort of contract term, things like, you know, you should give people a heads up. Like, who is brand new to Xbox Live? these days at, at this point i firmly believe that people have chosen a camp <laughs> yeah. you know the number of people switching from playstation to microsoft is like so minute you know and there are very few people that can afford both so most people have have chosen a camp they're in the camp and they've been in the camp for at least five years if not right right 15, you know so They've essentially walked it all the way back. They're just hoping to, what, pick up the scraps of the few new consumers that they will get, you know, take advantage of people who just turned eight years old 
Is that right. is that what we're doing? We're taking money from children because established adult gamers have chosen a console. So essentially, this just sounds like punishing parents for not buying an Xbox last year. Right. No, well, it is. And again, I'm trying to rationalize the decision. And it seems like maybe the price hike, although this was not conveyed and is definitely not explained. And I think if, if these companies would just be transparent about it, it would be more palatable. We're like, look, the reason that we're hiking the price is because Fox Live Gold should be, you know, it, let's say it's $120 a, a year. The uh, Game Pass is what, $120 a year? It's more than that with tax, right? So, but you get Xbox Live Gold with it. And so it's like, so basically it, raising the price of this so that it makes the, the Game Pass a no-brainer. But I still can't see you making it 120 and then not increasing the price. You know, it, it just doesn't mean we're going to this is going to cost 120 bucks and this is going to cost 120 bucks. But you're going to get. Yeah, a thousand that's what times doesn't really make sense for me. This. The cost does not equal the value of what people get out of the two services. But, right. you know, what can you do about it? What practical things you can do about it? Well, you can definitely be very vocal on social media platforms. You can, you know, review bomb if that's something that interests you. Um, you can cancel your subscription. You can vote with your wallet and you can ask your friends to do the same thing. You know, in, in a lot of ways, I feel like people feel powerless that they have to accept those decisions, but they don't. Right. If Microsoft decided to make the price of Game Pass $700 a year, I would sell my micro, my Xbox, I would cancel my subscription, and I'd go buy a PlayStation. Right. You know, people can vote with their wallet. You know, there's competition in the marketplace. That's why we have a free market economy. So do not feel like you have to, like, pay these prices. People get capitalism confused uh, uh, every now and then. Capitalism works when you do have competition. And, and, you're, and, and then you can actually speak with your wallet. You can actually make a choice, which is going to bring prices down, you know, when you have competition and it, and it can bring quality up because they've got to compete with somebody else. They're going to try to do the best that they can so that they get their foothold in the market. So absolutely. That is the best way. Jim Sterling talks about it a lot where he doesn't have the, he's a little more cynical in it. That doesn't believe people are necessarily capable or willing to, they're capable. It's just whether or not they're willing to, to speak with their wallet. And the, I'm in the same camp in that I believe we are capable and I actively uh, try to do it. I, I've gotten lazy and every now and then I'll buy a digital copy of something. But I've also, <laughs> I've made the decision in my head that if I lose access to this, I'm willing to accept that because I know that that's a, that's a possibility. But generally speaking, I choose not to do that. I choose to buy hard copies for stuff. I choose not to play things that uh, uh, outside of World of Warcraft, which I've also canceled. That I, I try not to play things that I don't, that I don't own necessarily outright. Yeah. Um, so. And, you know, of course, they can set the price of whatever they want. They can make the RRP $100. But if the gaming community stops buying things on day one because the cost of entry is too high, right, they wait right. for it to go on sale, that is the way to vote with your wallet to say the entry level price is too high. And I think as a community, we need to start doing that a little bit more because in the nicest possible way, just whining about it on Twitter doesn't necessarily always get you the results that you want. Right. I think that if you were a little bit more honest with yourself 
about your impulse control. A lot of people will be like, oh, I don't love the fact that it's this expensive, but I just can't help myself. I have to have it on day one. Well, then it must not bother you that much. Really. Right, right. You know? Not enough to change. Um, if, exactly. If it really bothered you, you would practice some impulse control and wait until you felt like you were paying a fair price for what you got. And if you feel like you didn't pay a fair price for what you got, like I did with Cyberpunk 2077, then ask for a refund. Right. Demand a refund. Do you know, like if you honestly feel like you paid money and that product did not equal what you paid for it, demand a refund, you know, I think that's the most practical way to prevent becoming a fish in the barrel. Right. Well, it is the only power that we have remaining. And so if we don't exercise that power, they will whittle it away and you will lose it completely and you won't have any power. And they will continue to conduct these predatory practices on us, the consumers. I mean, and, and this is something that I think is very important. We have enough power to just say no or to change. We just go in a completely different direction. You do not have to buy a scalped PlayStation. In fact, in doing so, you are actively hurting things. You're actively making things worse when you do stuff like that. That is not what that console is worth. You know it. Everyone knows it. The person who sold it to you knows it. But the fact that you bought it effectively is what makes it worth that. People aren't going to give you money more money for something than they think it's worth. And if they give it to you, then they've they've weighed those options. And anyway, it's just actively harming. That's just the premium that you're paying for your lack of impulse control. <laughs> for the convenience really is all it is. You paid for the convenience of having it now and actively harmed gaming as a whole. You've actively harmed it in the process. Like to your point, the take home is, guys, we, you just need to be awake. Let's pay attention. Pay attention to, to where you're spending your money. Speak with your wallet a little bit more. You can actively participate in changing things for the better if you just pay attention and, and speak with your wallet. And that's, I mean, that, and that's the bottom line, really. Uh, if, if you don't think it's worth it, don't buy it. If, it. if it wasn't worth it after you bought it, get a refund and speak up when you see wrong being done. And the Xbox thing was wrong. There are nefarious microtransactions and gambling mechanics. They're wrong. Speak up when these things are presented. Otherwise, you will continue, we all, actually. I mean, because we're all in this. We'll all continue to lose power. Amen. So. My goodness. Take us to church, Stacey. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, that brings up uh, the end of this episode and wraps up our episode of Retro Rebel. I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion. All the notes from this episode will be posted on our site, templeofgeek.com. If you'd like to add to the discussion or reach out with questions, sound off in the comments or email us at retrorebel at templeofgeek.com. If you like what you hear, head over to wherever you download your podcast and subscribe so you'll be sure to get each episode released. And rate us because that really helps our show. Until the next time. See you later.